Welcome to Strategy International, a podcast produced by PodMTL that brings you insightful conversations with experts from all over the world on topics related to international relations and policy, security, defense, environment, and much more. And now, your host, George Santrizos. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Strategy International Podcast. I am your host, George Santrizos. Thank you for joining us once again with another incredible host. Today, we have Dr. Joseph Demergis. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. It's a pleasure to actually participate in the second podcast of Strategy International. Uh, I watched the first one. <laughs> you, you did great, so hopefully Thanks. this will be a sign for things to come. Thank you so much. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, and uh, it's a pleasure to actually be participating in this uh, great initiative by Strategy International. Um, and for those uh, who are here for the very first time, this is a podcast that brings you value and uh, through different guests from all over the world that have extensive knowledge on international affairs, policy, um, uh, strategy, uh, security, defense, environment, all these uh, interesting things. Uh, and we bring them to you. And Dr. Uh, Demergis is one of these individuals. And I thank you for that, uh, for being here. Um I want to jump right in uh, into this, uh, given the knowledge that you have in international uh, relations and international policy, uh, to talk a little bit about what everyone is talking about, right? The, 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 the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Um, and because you specialize specifically in diplomacy, which we'll get into a little bit later, I want you to give us a little bit of your thoughts on what role you think diplomacy has in this conflict or has it had so far? Because it's lasted way longer than anyone has ever imagined this conflict um, to have lasted. Um, where do you think diplomacy fits in here? Uh, well, it's definitely a seminal event since uh, the last time we actually saw what amounts to a proxy war between uh the West, Western countries and uh, the proponents of liberal systems of uh, actually talking to each other rather than invading or using hard power to achieve one uh, one's aims. Well, the last time uh, we have seen that was during the Cold War. Right. So it's quite a, a seminal event in that regard. Uh, but uh, it is also a peculiar event as to uh having what uh, really amounts to almost a multipolar world uh, in many respects during the cold war we had uh, well we had two main blocks one uh, a country knew where it would stand you know you would either be with the eastern bloc or you would be with the forces of good you would be with the western bloc uh nowadays uh, we see uh, a china emerging uh, especially in the Pacific Rim and uh, having uh, such a huge economic activity, which uh, uh, brings about a lot of uh, political and diplomatic influence as well. And uh, definitely China is aspiring to be the next superpower. Mm -hmm. Right now, we only have one superpower, that is the United States. Uh, Russia is really a regional power at best and uh, one that is not really able to exert its influence and perhaps that's why it uh, it chose uh, the hard means. It chose to invade Ukraine rather than try whatever other methods uh, it would have at its disposal to actually achieve whatever aims it had, whether these aims were mm -hmm. right or wrong. Why do you think diplomacy hasn't worked so far? Uh, diplomacy doesn't... Uh, well, we like to say that diplomacy always works and mm -hmm. uh, it's a matter of... Uh, of give and take, but uh, I don't think diplomacy always uh, always work. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, it's there in the beginning, and it will always be there in the end. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, war uh, and uh, you know strife in general, and uh, the use of actual violence to achieve one's aims. Uh, I think it's a matter of uh, historical perspective, and uh, it's uh, the matter of uh, humans actually deciding that it is the best way to go about these things. Mm -hmm. uh, diplomacy probably didn't uh, work that well uh, with Ukraine and Russia 
because uh, uh, the Russians were probably thinking that uh, what they had before them uh, was what we would term the Thucydides gap. That is, an Ukraine that uh, tried to stand on its own with the help of the Western uh, powers and uh, trying to exert itself uh, uh, to avoid being under uh, Russia's thumb. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, I suppose... Uh, the thinking in the Kremlin is that uh, they would use old school methods, old school Soviet methods for mm-hmm. them uh, to achieve uh, their political aims uh, uh, with, uh, I don't know, with a kind of, uh, with an invention that is actually abhorrent to mostly free thinking men and uh, certainly to the West uh, at least. Right. Is this a, a sign of things to come? You think if it hasn't worked this far, um, do you think that the people on the ground or behind the scenes that are trying to find a ground on where on which to agree on, uh, upon, do you think that uh, this is a sign for them that things perhaps may not go their way this time? Or are uh, you think that whoever, well, now I, we're going to talk a little bit about Turkey's role in this because they seem to be the only uh um mediator in in this conflict um do you think they see at all light at the end of the tunnel uh that's a great question because actually the whole ukrainian invasion uh, is actually a test event for many countries especially for china mm. uh uh depending on the outcome whether this will go well for Russia or not uh well we, we we really hope not but even if there is a kind of stalemate uh this will uh, probably drive uh, developments and to modulate the thinking uh, of the Chinese government as to its aspirations in the Pacific mm-hmm. and everywhere in the world because uh, uh we currently have China exerting itself uh uh, globally, you know, even in Africa, in Europe, uh, you, you do have uh, a, a lot, a, a lot of effort in in it uh, trying to expand. Uh, mm-hmm. They had, uh, they hadn't have uh, the famous Silk Roads they uh, they aspire to, which is really a way of trying to project their power. So I do think this is a test event, and. Uh, if the West uh, backs up uh, as uh, to what may be achievable in having uh, a rogue country invading another one, then uh, that would bring forth uh, other uh, other countries that have such aspirations, right. as is Turkey, for example, and uh, try to do things that uh, are not really in phase either with international relations or uh, what those international relations should be. Right. It's interesting that you mentioned China, and I wanted to bring it up a little bit uh, later, but since you're bringing it up, uh, we'll, we'll go there now. Uh, you wrote an interesting article that I read, and it, it seems that almost immediately following the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, you know, many experts were quick to look at the possibility of a Chinese invasion of, of Taiwan. Um, you think that uh, that is a possibility? that it may happen or did the rapid sanctions from the west toward russia serve as an example like you say for other major expansionist countries such as china to kind of hold back and see what happens uh well we can answer this on a case-by-case basis uh certainly the western help to ukraine is not uh is not uh, really that naive uh, th- there is clearly a look upon what, what China may do in the future. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's a given. Uh, for instance, uh, United States uh, strategic thinking nowadays is, uh, is almost uh, contained in uh, what will happen in the, Pacific, in the Pacific in the next decades mm-hmm. because that's where China is emerging. Uh But you, not, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure whether uh, uh, China and uh, whatever and uh, whatever repercussions its actions may have uh, will be a, a mirror as to what uh, will happen with Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 apart from the United States, which is not really not dependent on Russia at all. 
the uh, the European Union is very dependent on it uh, as far as energy is concerned. Mm-hmm. So we now have a war where uh, the European Union is probably the one that has to lose more along with Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the United States is almost losing nothing because it will be a supplier to the United uh, Union uh, for energy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it will achieve its uh, geostrategic aims of uh, trying to nullify the mm-hmm. power uh, Russia have. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, uh, China is not one uh, that will uh, cater for the same demands the West has upon Russia to stop the war. China, <laughs> yeah. China has a huge manufacturing capacity that Russia has, and that manufacturing capacity manufactured products that make their way to Western markets. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's inter- it's interesting that that, that that China is somehow in this equation because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems so ironic that all the sanctions that have been imposed by Russia from you know the Western countries are benefiting China's economy. Yeah, they do, and uh, you know, uh, letting uh, Western propaganda aside, Wilgus knew that. Uh, Russia wouldn't go on its knees in the first month or so of the war mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we knew that they, they had external markets to actually say, uh, sell their wares. Uh, well, they may sell them at a much cheaper price, but uh, even before the war started, uh, President Putin uh, had made a deal with the Chinese president uh, right. uh, for... Uh, selling to them uh, gas, uh, oil, uh, and all, all the energy really China needs. And uh, that also happens with India as well, which is a huge power. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, may become a superpower one day. I don't know what, uh, although I don't think uh, the Indian uh, aspirations are uh, of that magnitude, but uh, certainly the population, the size of the country, and uh, the way it's advancing step by step, uh, India is a force to be reckoned with. Right. So Russia has a, a market like that, which allows it uh, to not fall on its knees, at least at this initial stage. And uh, I still saw that uh, Turkey, along uh, along with Iran and Russia, uh, had a meeting together. And uh, what they're talking is really putting up uh, an anti-Western front Mm-hmm. Well, the Chinese uh, Chinese diplomacy was not present there. It was the only one missing, but uh, the aims are really the same for China, for China as well. So, do you think it's going to get down, or has it gotten already to the point where it's it's a question of attrition? Who's going to lose more than the other side? Because, like you say, the the the, the European Union uh, depends greatly on resources coming from Russia. That's not there. Russia can get what it wants. Uh, or sell it to other countries. So at the end of the day, is the European Union ever going to have the upper hand? Uh, no, because European Union wouldn't know strategy if it uh, hits, <laughs> if it hit it on her head. You yeah. know, if uh, if we presume Europe is uh, is a female, and and, and that's uh, uh, one of the most unfortunate things about the European Union. Uh, it, uh, it 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 never uh, had any inclination uh, of strategies. Uh, that uh, have to do not with immediate needs, but with needs uh, 40, 50 years uh, from now. You why, know, do you think, it, why do you think that is? I think it's uh, because uh, probably because Germany is at the forefront of the European Union and uh, Germans are not uh, strategists, are no strategists themselves as well. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, if somebody says the opposite, uh, I have two world wars uh, that will throw at him or here and say, no, they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Germany, after well, after the Second World War, and of course, it's a institution in the international community, as, as, it, should, as it should have been. Uh, uh, they, they had a, a very conscious decision, they made a very conscious decision to actually extend towards the East once again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, after the Cold War, uh, they had uh, that uh, that uh, that huge reservoir of gas, coal, metals of raw materials. That is uh, that is Russia, mm-hmm. and so Germany became dependent uh, on those resources, and that is 
the European Union became dependent on those without any other external uh, sources and without any prior thinking of uh, what if this uh, deal, if this arrangement uh, would go wrong uh, in the in in the long term. And uh, that is one of the major failings of the European Union. And uh, despite all the rhetoric and uh, whatever measures they're trying to do, it's very difficult uh, to actually supplant uh, such a huge resource uh, of energy that is Russia mm-hmm. in one, two, three, four, five years. Right. It will take uh, much. Lo- it will probably take much longer than that. And. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much uh, the European population can actually uh, uh, have that kind of stagnation and inflation together in say in its everyday life. Well, the, the main cha- yeah, the main challenge, I guess, is that you have 27 countries that have to absolutely agree in, in order to move forward. Uh, and I, I, as this conflict keeps lasting longer and longer, do you think that? It will have uh, any effect on you know the somewhat unified stance that the EU countries have maintained thus far. I mean, we're seeing a political crisis in Italy uh, that that has recently started over arms sales to Ukraine. Um, some Eastern countries are preparing for a harsh winter due to the limited energy supplies from Russia. Um, you know, how do you think the relations within the EU countries will evolve as this conflict perpetuates? Well, uh, well, well, we always uh, see some uh, certain distance uh, distancing between political leaders themselves. Also, for now, only the Hungarian prime minister is the only one that is really uh, quite uh, uh, quite obstructive as to what uh, the European Union uh, wants. Mm-hmm. But the problem is we haven't really gone out to the to the winter that is coming, where mm-hmm. we will have huge energy needs right. and uh, we'll probably have huge energy problems. If the population suffers uh, political agendas uh, and uh, solidarity and stuff like that, tends to go out of the window because the political animal, uh, its first aim is to actually survive politically, mm-hmm. to be at the forefront of, of its country. Right. And uh, I suppose uh, there is also a very different... Uh, Uh, optic uh, as to what is happening in Ukraine between northern and uh, more southern countries of the European Union and uh, as to what uh, uh, the suitable countermeasures uh, should be. Uh, A prolonged war would uh, certainly not be uh, at the interest of the European Union at all. And it would not be at the interest of uh, Russia as well. And probably not Ukraine's because uh, apart from the huge help uh, w- uh, the West is giving Ukraine and uh, what uh, uh, p- uh, what President Zelensky is saying, uh, the problem is that uh, there are huge losses of men. There are uh, there is huge uh, there are huge damages on infra- on Ukrainian infrastructure as well, and uh, well, war just cannot go on. Mm-hmm. I do understand that they have been invaded. And uh, but the thing is that uh, uh, Ukraine, uh, if it didn't not have that that Western help, and uh, coupled uh, with of course uh, their extreme inefficiency of what we consider the mighty Russian army, which is really not mighty at all, mm-hmm. uh, uh, brought us to this kind of uh, of, of stalemate, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's very difficult to say to the Ukrainians, you know what, uh, it, it doesn't really help the rest of the world for you to fight because they have been actually invaded in their country. Uh, I think uh, we start to see certain uh, crumblings inside uh, the Ukrainian leadership as well. So that uh, President Zelensky actually fired uh, a lot of uh, his, his political... Yeah, po- 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 and uh, the judge advocate, I think, as well. And mm-hmm. uh, so uh, there is certainly uh, some other uh, influences and uh, thoughts going on. And uh, no, no, nobody can really save there for the better or for worse. The European Union, uh, I think, uh, will be hurting almost as much as Ukraine uh, in the financial regard. Let's talk a little bit about the role of Turkey, um, given the strategic position it has, uh, where literally uh, it connects 
Europe to Asia, uh, the relations it's always maintained with Russia, the relations it has with the EU, in addition to being a NATO ally, um, it has a pretty key role to play. Uh, from the Turkish perspective, if we look at it from their point of view, why is its role in this conflict so important? Uh, well, of course, it's, it, it, it really has to do with geostrategy. They're just near to Russia, so they they have some kind of importance. Of course, I think there is a, quite a fallacy in uh, Western strategic thinking in uh, giving uh, too much importance uh, to Turkey, uh, with Turkey actually being one of the revisionist powers. And it's not uh, something that came up uh, with President Erdogan. It was a revisionist power before. But uh, the way it's handling its international affairs right now, actually trying to strong arm NATO uh, when coming to the uh, to accepting uh, Finland and Sweden into the North uh, North Atlantic Alliance, uh, is probably a sign for things to come mm-hmm. as far as. Uh, Turkey's uh, political maneuvering uh, is concerned. I don't think that uh, even if Erdogan goes away in uh, some time from now, it's either the next elections or I don't know until his uh, until his death, because uh, uh, he, he's actually quite despotic in his ruling uh, mm-hmm. of Turkey. I do not think that uh, uh, Turkey's aims and uh, political aspirations uh, will. Uh, will not last. Uh, uh, the the thing about Turkey and what drives their uh, foreign relations is that we should understand that uh, uh, all parties, no matter, uh, no matter where they are in the political uh, ideology pr- uh, spectrum, they are all very nationalistic. And that's what uh, drives their thinking. And, uh, you know, uh, their usual uh, point of... Uh, Contrition is uh, saying one to another, you're not nationalistic enough in that regard, mm-hmm. or that regard, you're not patriot enough. And uh, that's uh, a very dangerous uh, uh, idea and, uh, and strategy to have when dealing with the external world. Uh, Turkey, of course, with the Ukrainian uh, with the Ukrainian question, uh, is a, has a role to play because uh, due to his, uh, uh, well, due to being a uh, uh, due to being uh, located uh, in such a part of the earth where it plays a role, they are in the black. Uh, they are in the black sea. Uh, it, uh, but uh, it, it has not. Re- but it, it is really trying to playing both sides because they they need Russia as well because Russia would be the actual power that could actually uh, in, in, inflict uh, quite a lot of damage to them if it wanted to. And uh, they actually need uh, Russia to agree to what is happening in Syria, right. where uh, where uh, uh, Turkey has has invaded, uh, constantly invades a part of Syria, uh, parts of Syria, and uh, trying to fight uh, the Kurdish fighters there. Mm-hmm. Who Kurdish fighters are uh, are uh, aligned with the West and uh, are fighting uh, the Isla- Islamist fascist. Uh, organizations like Al-Qaeda mm-hmm. and uh, their virus uh, tentacles there. Do you feel that the Western partners trust Turkey as an effective mediator? Can can, can Turkey be trusted as a partner? Uh, well, it, it, in diplomacy, it's not really about, uh, about trust. I, I, do, I, do not, I do not think that uh, hardened diplomats... Uh, put that much uh, trust in Turkey, but it all has to do uh, with one's uh, aspirations and what his his or her interests are in this matter. Mm -hmm. So they're using using Turkey because they think that it's in their interests that Turkey should remain uh, on a a pro-Western base. Mm -hmm. But uh, we actually see Turkey taking a lot of steps of trying... uh, I wouldn't say making it on its own, of trying uh, to become, uh, uh, apart from uh, a, a regional power, and uh, well, in their heads, and if you actually read about uh, Turkish rhetoric and about Turkish aspirations, you know, their, their aspirations are extending from the Mediterranean up to China, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Pantura thing. <laughs> 
So I think it's a matter of, of interests and people actually uh, trying to subjugate uh, their interests along with uh, um, uh, not subjugate rather than bring forth their interests against the interests of Turkey and uh, trying to find an operational mean uh, from where actions uh, can actually be derived. Yeah, because in, in a recent article that you wrote, you seem to question whether or not Turkey should remain in uh, in NATO, uh, yet everything that's been happening that we've been following since the beginning of the year, it feels as though Turkey is at the forefront. It's like smack in the middle. Um, obviously, uh, you know, you're Greek and you're much more, more aware of these things than anyone else about the, 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 the provocations in the Eastern Mediterranean that seem to be nonstop, almost on a daily basis. Um, you mentioned also the, 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 the conditional support that it has given Sweden and Finland uh, to join uh, NATO, but yet continues. The, the, only, the only country that, that actually was against uh, Sweden and Finland uh, yeah, it was joining NATO was Turkey. And, yeah. uh, and uh, it, it, Turkey for the last, I don't know, 40, 50 years, uh he has been uh, uh he has been uh, op- uh, semi openly attacking uh, Greece uh, uh, Greek uh, uh Greek sovereignty over uh, over the Aegean Sea mm-hmm. Greece which is an, uh, another NATO member another and this uh, yeah and this usually destabilizes uh, the eastern part uh, the eastern part of NATO uh, Turkey is the only is the only country in the world that has issued uh, a casus belli you know a cause mm-hmm. for war uh, against Greece if Greece uh, tries to extend uh, its uh, territorial waters from six to 12 nautical miles at, yeah. uh, as it as it is it's uh, uh it's right to do under the united uh, nations uh, law of the sea mm-hmm. uh yeah yeah uh, uh, yeah i was saying i mean you know the the the, 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 the it's very conditional right the support to, to sweden and finland it, it's met daily with threats uh to them uh on different uh, criteria and actions that they should take um you, you know th- they're at the center of the most urgent decisions right now i mean we're having supply chain and maritime uh, uh supply chain issues obviously going through uh to the rest of europe they control the maritime passage into the mediterranean um they're causing a problem with nato enlargement uh i think uh, yesterday or two days ago there was an announcement made with uh, between ursula von Leyer, von der Leyer and um, uh, aliyev from azerbaijan on energy supply to europe uh and it comes back to what you were saying about the the rationale behind the european strategy um about making uh, partnerships with other countries that perhaps they shouldn't be right well, and what again, Turkey is, and again, Turkey is kind of in the middle of all this. Yeah, and uh, letting uh, the Greek-Turkish equation aside, when we have a country like Turkey actually meeting uh, with Iran's uh, Khamenei and uh, and Russia at uh, Tehran and having mm-hmm. talks with them, what is that? But uh, an anti-Western alliance. So. How can we actually say that Turkey is an ally of the West when it's actually meeting uh, with some of its more prominent foes and foes in the manner of, uh, you know, of the way the West uh, thinks that uh, everyday people live, uh, how countries, how states should behave and uh, how states should not behave. Mm-hmm. So, so you be- it, it, yeah, go ahead. Because yeah. Both Iran and Russia are now are under uh, lots and lots of... Uh, restrictions and uh, ways of trying uh, to excommunicate them uh, from the global agenda and uh, try to lessen their influence around uh, around the world. Iran uh, has uh, a lot of tentacles around the Middle East, stirring a lot of trouble. And uh, that's an ongoing effort for, uh, for them uh, for uh, lots and lots uh, of, of decades. So when you are meeting with them and actually trying to make an alliance with them, what are you signaling to the West? Mm-hmm. You know, are you signaling to the West? Oh, you know, uh, if you're not doing what uh, I want, uh, want you to do for me, I'm going to them, uh, well, like a petulant child, mm-hmm. yeah. or rather than uh, I think uh, you are, you, you have actually sallowed your own propaganda about mm-hmm. uh, how strong you really are, 
yeah. and uh, now trying to challenge uh, the West, its interests, and uh, not sharing its values, which for me is the worst at all. Right. If you do not share uh, uh, the values uh, of liberty, of uh, freedom, uh, of being able to express yourself, which Turkey is notorious at, mm-hmm. and actually asking uh, for Sweden or Finland uh, uh, to send back to you uh, Turkish uh, citizens that uh, that uh, did not agree with Erdogan's policies, right. so they were ousted and uh, and uh, to save their lives, they actually went and emigrated to sit in Finland, then uh, what kind of message does this give to our own societies mm-hmm. that uh, were actually forces of good and uh, forces of truth and uh, were not the ones uh, to actually keep silent when a dictator comes uh, knocking on our door? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that's why the West uh, supported Ukraine. That's why it will keep supporting it, no matter what uh, what the outcome. And uh, that's why the West must rethink its role uh, as uh, to Turkey's value in uh, the whole geostrategic thinking and uh, ways of operating. Do you think there's ever a possibility that Turkey might either be ousted or asked to leave the alliance? Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm not uh, that expert on NATO, so I cannot possibly comment uh, if there are actually legal ways to do about uh, about that. I think uh, I think th- I think there are not, but uh, I suppose one could do an NATO two count of alliance, and uh, where actually you, you you do not have such an ability an ability to torpedo such mm-hmm. kind of decisions. Right. And, uh, well, uh, I remember about uh, a couple of months ago, uh, you know that uh, uh, the Turks uh, have uh, uh, have a Russian uh, anti-aircraft uh, missile system. Yeah, the S-400. Uh, in the the S-400. And uh, we had uh, photographs of uh, American-built uh, F-16s, which Turkey has, actually going in front of uh, S-400 uh, uh, radars in order uh, to to see what kind of cross-section it had mm-hmm. and what its vulnerabilities is. Mm-hmm. So they were actually testing uh, uh, Western armaments against Russian ones. Mm-hmm. You do understand that when you exploit uh, such a technology one against the other, it's not only Turkey that is the recipient, it's Russia as well. Mm-hmm. So tell me, is that a kind of uh, act... Uh, that NATO ally should do, I do not. I do not really think so. I, I I agree with you. the The question that I have and many others might have as well is why uh, why are we sitting still as if nothing is happening? Yeah, that that, that's that the question. Uh, that's a good that's a good question, but uh, I suppose that goes along with uh, a lot of questions as uh, both uh, the superpowers. America's uh, thinking of what to, to do with Turkey and uh, what the European Union is thinking. Mm-hmm. Because uh, imagine if uh, we substituted uh, Russian energy with, I don't know, Azeri energy with a pipeline coming through Turkey and Turkey being uh, the mediator between mm-hmm. these two. Right. That uh, that uh, would be one strategic mistake. Big time. Uh, yeah, substituting another. Uh, I know that there is kind of that thinking as well, and uh, especially when uh, you will have uh, so much uh, trouble as uh, we're expecting to come in the following winter, energy-wise, there will probably be some more hasty decision-making mm-hmm. by the European Union, and uh, I do wonder it will become, you know, uh, we may talk uh, uh, sometimes, uh, well, uh, usually experts talk from a position of authority, but uh, we should keep in mind that they do not have uh, a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. We, we do not really know what will happen. Well, it's to Russia's advantage to take this to the bitter end, unless uh, for some reasons uh, there's a change of guard mm-hmm. in the Kremlin. Right. You know, things happen. Although historically there hasn't been... Uh, uh, that kind of change in guard in the in the Soviet Union. Well, there were of course some velvet, uh, you know, pushovers, mm-hmm. but not uh, anything uh, that extreme. And uh, well, if uh, if Russia tries to have that war to the bitter end, 
and uh, there is no kind of modus vivendi that uh, perhaps would allow the European Union to resupply from Russia in the well in the not distant future, while it is actually trying to find another other viable suppliers for the far-reaching future, mm-hmm. because uh, uh, we, we do not really know what what will yeah. happen next. We only uh, can surmise. Let's move. Uh, let's move on to something else that I find very interesting. Um, if anyone were to read your bio, they would definitely stop at a concept that I have heard very little about. Um, you know, amongst the various fields that you specialize in, we find something called electronic foreign policy, uh, and I find this very intriguing. Uh, tell everyone what this is. Uh, well. I suppose every everybody of us nowadays reads the web, reads articles on the web, uses social media like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, you know, and uh, I do not really want uh, to go on about uh, names because uh, social platforms and uh, their popularity will change over in the in the coming years, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know maybe Instagram will f- will fail and then TikTok will take its place or whatever. Mm-hmm. A TikTok, by the way, a very a huge Chinese invention, mm-hmm. which really has to do with uh, how to manipulate a population and how to actually get uh, some real social uh, data from mm-hmm. the social engineering that goes into actually mm-hmm. using the app. Mm-hmm. Uh, so electronic foreign po- uh, policy is really trying. Uh, to find, uh, to reach all those external audiences to the one emanating uh, a certain foreign policy message, you know, actually reaching those audiences, formulating the message in such a way that uh, is actually acceptable to them. Mm-hmm. Because uh, uh, if I had uh, a political message uh, for the country you are in at the moment, right, uh, Canada, then I would have to formulate, uh, first I would, I would like to have access by those, uh, uh, by by all the means that uh, information technology and infrastructure gives me, and I would like to formulate a message that would be acceptable to you. Depending on uh, depending on your sex, depending on your education, depending on your age, depending on your values, and you do understand that uh, that kind of message would be formulated differently, according uh, to the kind of people I want to target. Mm-hmm. And then I would like to have uh, some ways of actually seeing if uh, that message went through or not. Because if you accept my message, I'm a foreign power or, my, or I'm a, fo- a foreign non-governmental actor that was, that uh, actually needs want something done from your country. You know, either uh, influence it uh, as to its next moves uh, or accepting some of my moves or whatever. Uh, then I would like to know uh, how my message is getting across. And then I would like to know some ways of actually reformulating that message if it's not acceptable to you and trying to attain uh, to attain whatever goals I have by re- by by reaching uh, by reaching you and having you agree as to my aims because uh, mm-hmm. uh, at at your uh, at your end you will uh, well as as an active citizen because uh, most of us are active citizens uh, well or what we call digital citizens. Mm-hmm. I'm not really. Uh, uh, w- w- we're still uh, debating on whether an actual netizen, as they're called nowadays, mm-hmm. actually have has a value or not, or it's just uh, another another sound, another voice bubbling on. But uh, the thing is that uh, I'm going, of course, to have uh, some uh, political pressure on my local politi- on my country's politicians, and uh, I'm uh, I'm going to have. Uh, an opinion that may be changed by that foreign power or political player and uh, actually help its aims. So, and uh, another term, of course, of uh, another aspect of electronic foreign policy, of course, is uh, to actually uh, educate your own audience of what's going on mm-hmm. and, of, uh, and of actually trying uh, to repel efforts by other powers Efforts, uh, efforts on, of information, uh, of information coming in that are actually contrary to our aims. Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, this really comes under the umbrella of what was termed soft power ages ago. Although soft power develops a lot, a lot more, it has to do with uh, 
cultural, it has to do with financial power, it has to do with lots, uh, with lots and lots of things. Uh, but uh, since we now have uh, the luxury of information technology, electronic foreign policy, especially for countries that are much more advanced in their in, uh, technological infrastructure know-how, is a great is a great tool to have. And uh, we see Western uh, the West wielding it much better than, for example, China or Russia. Mm-hmm. What, exa- what examples has this been used in? Uh, where where would one uh, see something like this happening? I'll give I'll give I'll give you an example with Ukraine. Huh. Uh, you know, uh, there is a social app called uh, Telegram, mm-hmm. which is really an app like uh, WhatsApp or uh, Viber or Signal or or anything uh, or any other uh, or messaging apps, mm-hmm. where uh, you can actually have uh, groups of people email photographs, uh, emailing photographs, videos. Uh, chatting, etc. So uh, while that uh, app uh, uh, had uh, a Russian origin, uh, the Russian state has a love and hate uh, relationship uh, with with the persons that actually created created the app. It is both used uh, by Russia, by the Russian state, the Ukrainian state, and by Russian and Ukrainian citizens alike. And uh, you actually have a kind of uh, up-to-date uh, information how the war is going on in different areas. Mm. And you have uh, lots and lots of uh, propaganda feeds that uh, try well, that try to extol the virtues of one armies against the others, of its successes and its victories. Well, uh, for example, uh, the other... Uh, the, the other party tries to uh, to exhibit the huge losses the attacking mm-hmm. or, or the other warring party uh, has up to the moment. So you actually see technology being used by state uh, by state organs, and uh, I suppose uh, uh, Ukraine is uh, much more uh, uh, is much more successful in this than Russia. Perhaps because it uh, it has been allowed access to Western audiences much easier mm. than Russian propaganda, right. Russian uh, Russian propaganda. Uh, apart well, apart from being crude, is not uh, is not really that sophisticated. It is not really targeting. Uh, uh, I don't know. I suppose uh, well educated uh, Western Western individuals. Yeah. It has a very sub sub specific kind of individual. It is targeting. So that is one way of actually using what uh, well, we term with the somewhat generic term of mm-hmm. uh, electronic foreign policy. The thing is, we have all those uh, all those uh, uh, tools that the information technology allows us to have, and uh, which can be used by both uh, countries and by both and by huge corporations alike. You know, if you have the money. And the IT infrastructure, you can do it, and the know-how, mm-hmm. and uh, they can be used. They can be used to promote political, uh, financial, and uh, and even military aims. You know, yeah, we saw a situation uh, closer to home here uh, in the um, in the last uh, or in the previous um, U.S. elections when uh, President Trump won, uh, and it's under investigation, I believe, now about Russian. Uh, meddling into that uh, into that uh, campaign through Facebook and through other social media platforms and controlling messages and uh, uh, and advertisements um, and, and it's uh, and it's currently being investigated in the U.S. But it, it, it's fascinating to see the impact that such actions can have on such a large scale uh, through a social media platform. It's something that we never envisioned right we i mean uh, we were all there when facebook started and it was always just a fun little uh like a social experiment you know yeah. we can meet up with our friends exactly, oh, exactly. yeah exactly uh, actually president obama was uh president obama's uh communication team he, he was the first uh, to use this platform yeah, yeah. He, he he was quite a pioneer and he was very adept to it well you know, he, he he i think i think most of his fundraising uh, came from small donors because of social media uh, strategies, if I'm not mistaken. There's a case study on that. Well, uh, and he really knew how to do the soundbite, uh, the small video clip, uh, 
all those things that uh, can be used uh, endlessly in social media and that can help you achieve uh, achieve your goal. It is uh, something that President Trump had, of course, as well, mm-hmm. although catering for a very different subset uh, of audience. And uh, which other uh, presidents or would-be presidential candidates did not have. So the modern politicians, apart from all the other things he or she should have, should have that as well. So we're kind of reaching a point where we're actually asking for a better actor rather than a better brand of politician. Right. And uh, uh, that's a very sobering thought. And uh, it's a very, very difficult uh, thing uh, to process and get away from. So you think... Because, uh, yeah, go ahead. Because, uh, I don't know, imagine if you were somebody that uh, would make a great politician, an actually great hands-on politician that could actually do things. If you were not uh, that adept in uh, public dialogue, uh, bringing uh, your point across, or you weren't photogenic enough or whatever, then uh, what would attain to is uh, would have uh, uh, would really vote for another public idol, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the way we see, you know, the the famous Instagram personas or whatever, you know, with uh, their uh, reality TV shows, mm-hmm. then that is the kind of politician we're going to have uh, in the long term. And that, of course, is going to influence a lot of the institutions that actually produce them. And uh, that is going to bring about uh, changes where, of course, uh, uh, a society will be much easier to be invaded uh, by thoughts and aims that may be detrimental to its integrity and survival. Right. So you think uh, you believe that these platforms will 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 amplify their uh, their effect coming uh, going forward in the next couple of years in the political scene? Uh, not uh, not even uh, they have already been been doing that. Right now we have such huge platforms, I don't know, like Google, Amazon, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, and uh, it doesn't matter what they say; they actually have political views. You know. Mm-hmm. It may it may not be that apparent in your face, mm-hmm. but uh, by the way they are trying to, and they, it's a very difficult thing to do. Uh, by the way they are curtailing speech and what they allow through their platforms, they're actually modulating the political deb- debates that are going on. Right. Twitter Twitter famously banned President Trump. Should mm. he do it? Uh, or some of President Trump's uh, tweets uh, not really. <laughs> Not, uh, I don't know, not really suitable mm-hmm. for public consumption, let alone from a president. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, yes, but uh, that uh, that power of actually closing the external audience to you and opening it up is uh, a huge power to him, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and it's a power that is uh, that has actually been attained by corporations. Uh, who have uh, almost uh, uh, almost uh, almost unlimited access to our lives. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of our personal data. So since they have a lot of our personal data, what we read, uh, what uh, what we listen to, they do have some uh, social profiles on us. And through those social profiles, they can modulate the message, the message they want, to reach us, uh, to reach us, and to make us accept it. Interesting. So uh, uh, it's uh, it's a sobering thought for what may become, uh, to uh, what democracy may become, in the in the next decades. Because well, uh, right, I, I, I'm I'm from a generation that uh, saw both the analog and digital thing, but uh, the youngsters nowadays are all are all digital. Mm-hmm. You know, they have uh, they have actually been conditioned to you know thumb up, thumb down. Doing all, all, yeah. The, all, yeah, all, yeah. all the swiping we do in our everyday life and uh, do not uh, pay attention to, but uh, what will happen to them? Because they they actually they will actually think that this is the kind of normality, right? And uh, this is a and uh, to put it in perspective uh, with uh, what happens to Russia right now, uh, Russians uh, some a certain uh, part of the Russian populace thinks that uh, what uh, 
uh, President Putin is doing is, uh, you know, a special operation for uh, denazification. Yeah. Because they have been conditioned to, to actually accept such kind of propaganda. They have been conditioned to because uh, uh, parts of uh, the Soviet uh, information machine is uh, alive and kicking. Mm. Interesting. Definitely something to um, uh, to to keep an eye on going forward. Uh, I want to wrap it up. I don't want to take up too much of your time, uh, Doctor. Uh, in closing, any interesting books or uh, publications that you want to recommend to the listeners? Uh, you you really take me by by surprise there. Any interesting uh, books that you're reading right now that you'd like to share with uh, with the audience? Uh, ah, let me. Let me, let me have a look. The thing is, I'm uh, I'm I'm mostly reading uh, articles nowadays and yeah. uh, and uh, literature. So I can't I can't really recommend something uh, something o- something o- something of the cuff. Right. Uh, I suppose uh, it is uh, it is the it's the way we're actually uh, uh, consume data and information nowadays that uh, it's not really that we don't have uh, time for a book it's really that we actually you know we take a book we actually read the parts of it that may be there is to our specialization right right and uh, and that's uh, a very and that's a, a very dangerous things to have <laughs> and uh, and and your question will uh, will really make me think nowadays on uh, why am i not reading so many books and uh, rather reading yeah. uh, in that case uh, in that case we'll refer everyone to the strategy international website um they will find your profile they can read and follow up on the articles that you write super interesting stuff um doctor i want to thank you again for your time uh, uh yes go ahead i uh, thank you very much for uh, your very interesting interview and uh i wish all the best uh for the strategy international podcast and uh for you personally Thank you so much, and uh, hopefully one day we'll uh, we'll see each other uh, personally. Yes, uh, that that must definitely be our aim. Exactly. Thank you once again, and thank you everyone for listening or watching. Uh, make sure to go and follow the page, subscribe, and share the content. And we will see you again on another episode of the Strategy International Podcast. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Strategy International podcast. Produced by PodMTL for Strategy International. Feel free to subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere fine podcasts can be found.